drink your tears because the sadness is over. We are finally back with a brand new episode of Stoke the Wild. So glad you're joining us on this creative adventure. It's me, Nicholas. It's also me, Joy. And we're back, baby. We're back, baby. Back in the cradle. What? Back in the saddle. Back in the back in the saddle. I've never heard back in the cradle. Back in the fables. All I know is the Elton John song. Still standing. I'm still no. standing. No. No. The cats in the cradle and the That's cell. That's not even spoiled. Elton John. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, no. I don't know if I can say it. Are we okay with making this explicit? With you, it's always explicit. The bitch is back. The bitch is back. I'm a bitch, I'm a bitch. I'm what does that have to do with back? the cradle? Or you the were saddle? saying back. Oh, yes. Like, the bitch is back. Yes, we are back. As Elton John once sang about Joy and myself, we are back. So back. That was rude. Rude, it's true. We're back. But you said that Elton John sang it about... You me. and me. You and me. I said Joy and me. Okay, fine. Me and Joy. Back. The both of us. And the both of us. Together. Slaying. <laughs> like we ain't got no cares. What does that mean? What? Bonjour. Comment ça va? Hello, everyone. We're back. How are you? Good. Thanks. How are you? Très bien. I'm learning French. Joy's learning French. And Ibo. And Ibo. And Korean. And Korean. French is the easiest so far. <laughs> I bet. I, I have no idea where to even begin with that. Yeah. Um. But I do know where to begin with this. So we are back in the show, and we are back and excited, and we're back, and it's cool. And did I mention we're back? Because, hey, babe, I hope you're looking good now because we're back. <laughs> is it also a song or no? No, I'm oh. just saying things because we're back. Okay. Uh, it is, look, it's September of 2022. I think we put out an episode in May, maybe, March. Yeah. March of 2022. It's, it's been a few months, right? summer, yeah. Uh, it's been a few months It's because we've been extremely busy with school and work and things that have gone on that have made our life go, wait. <laughs> and I had a surgery. That's true. Yeah, had a surgery. Um, and and your knee is fixed. My knee is fixed. I no longer have this weird little cartilage piece going <laughs> inside there. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not going <laughs> inside there. It's a lovely little laparoscopic there. procedure. They cut it out, and it just was like, no. And, and then uh, it was gone. Then it was gone forever. Uh, and it's it's good, you know. It's good. It's, I'm glad. I'm glad that it's finally done. I've got other aches and pains because I'm old and I'm dying. But, you know, we'll take it one day at a time. One day at a time. Um, I think I think one of the things that, uh, though, we realized over the course of this most recent break in episodic narratives is that this show is changing. Yeah. It's growing. It's evolving. It has been left out in the sun and something has winked back like there is 
I might be mixing metaphors it's here. It's germinated. But something germinated. Sure. And winked at me. Wink. And uh, The little face germinated and went, <laughs> at Nick. That's the sound that a wink makes. <laughs> I don't think about, could you imagine? You'd be like the Tin Man. I got to give you oil because your eyes are squeaking. <laughs> I almost always make a noise when I, when I wink. <laughs> Stop blinking. Um, and so, but seriously, like the show itself is, it's changing a bit. We, um, you know, we're in this season of life, uh, compared to when we started the show where we had, uh, the time in our schedule every week to create episodes, um, the time in our schedule every week to like be putting up new things on social media. That's dead and gone. Um, <laughs> Wait, I thought we were talking about things growing and evolving. Yes. The dying is the opposite of that. I know. Something new has taken its place. Oh, right. Okay. Right? Yes. Because it is it, it is evolved and what was before is no longer there. Oh. Like, this is not... The four uh, times are gone. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, an animal that evolved and that no longer exists because of evolution. Like... Oh. Um dragons i don't think that that was ever dinosaurs i think they died <laughs> um um well actually no birds birds, birds. are dinosaurs chickens. chickens are dinosaurs so chickens but you we know, are a chicken well you know speak for yourself the uh wow. <laughs> i'm brave that's not where uh, I was going with it at all. <laughs> See, you missed us, didn't you, audience? You missed this weirdness. Yeah. But seriously, like, things are growing, things are changing, and uh, I think we're going to be uh, trying to create more seasonal shows here where, uh, kind of like on TV, you know, uh, 10, 15, 20 episodes type of situation, take a break, do some development and then come back for you know another season of episodes and so um if i were to go back and to like relabel these episodes into or like recategorize them into seasons we probably have four or five seasons now yeah worth of material like to to categorize them but that would take and, too long to categorize well i might do it sometime oh okay which is why i'm saying this so i guess if we were to like enter into this new season, this would be like maybe season five. Yeah, episodic and seasonal. Yeah, and like I think allergies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like the allergies that dance on the wind in the prairies mourn, and that is exactly what will happen. Because as soon as you inhale us, baby, you're sneezing and you've caught a whiff. <laughs> you can't get rid of us. We will be there. Like swollen eyes and scratchy lips. Oh, my God. I'm a poet. I was just going to say, <laughs> you talk so differently from how you write. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a poet. Oh, my goodness. I'm a writer. But you are in a program. I am in a program. We're writers. Uh, well, yes. Or is it literature? Yeah, so Something let's see. Like so, that. yeah, like my PhD program has been going, and it's been going well. Yeah, um, uh, yeah my, uh, I got my, uh, I just finished, part of the reason why I was busy is because I finished my degree in creative writing, which has now led to me um, getting into a PhD program, which is what I've been 
working towards so I can teach and write and um, continue to develop like skills and analysis and literature and film and all these different studies. And so um, I'm in this PhD program and I'm teaching, teaching a ton of uh, first year writing classes, which is fantastic. So much fun. Yeah. My students are great. They usually are, you know, they're um, a little hesitant at first to be like, who's this weirdo up front? Um, but then I am a weirdo and they usually, go. they usually break down and are like, all right, this isn't so bad. Yeah. He's an okay weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, pretty exactly. Yeah. Um, but the PhD stuff is going good, and uh, which is why, again, because of this PhD program, schooling and teaching, like my time is extremely limited. This is going to be seasonal, and it's going to kind of uh, show up as we can. And so, if you are a fan, you are a listener, you know the best way to continue to help us is to just listen to the episodes. Um, even if you go back and listen to old ones again or you're listening to new ones, sharing it with your friends, um, you know, just being there on in those for in the uh, during the first five to six days that an episode airs that you're listening to it. So that way, those listener accounts um, can kind of come back up to where they they need to be. Otherwise, you know, it takes a dip in listenership and then it gets buried in like. Uh, yeah. The way Spotify or Apple or Stitcher or any of those places like categorize things, mm-hmm. it gets buried because of listenership. And so um, that's on us. But if you can help us out, <laughs> you know, go ahead and, and give it a listen as soon as you can and share yeah. with your friends and go back and listen to the episodes again. And there, yeah. And there's a real cool thing, real cool trick. I don't know if any of you out there know about it in listener land. There's this thing you can do. You can click subscribe, and it'll notify you yes. when new episodes come out. As uh, as Elo, our youngest today, said, <laughs> if you like and subscribe, the blue button will become yellow. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that. Will I don't know if that's happen. true on our thing, but he's been watching Too some much. some YouTube shows recently that he likes and that's the thing he repeats like and subscribe so yeah like and subscribe <laughs> and <laughs> help a brother out yeah joy what's been going on for you though i mean uh oh kind of giving an update about what's going on uh i guess in general for us but for sure. and, and then for me just a little bit and we, i can talk more about that here in a minute but just to wow. kind of give everybody an update on you what's been going on with you i am working um, as one must do in the current economical structures that, that we live it in. Like you, I'm <laughs> working on finding I'm like the words. Oh, well, I was trying to think of like the best way to phrase it so that I wouldn't like alienate every single listener out there. But you know, let's let's just call it what it is. I guess. Uh, I have to work multiple jobs, capitalism. and so does Nick because of capitalism. <laughs> because we're in late stage capitalism. Um, but uh, I do love my jobs. I work with an incredible group of people. Well, at both jobs, really, um, and uh, I'm I really love it. Both my employers are, you know, both my bosses are just really wonderful people. Um, and I love the people that I work with. So it's been good. It's been busy. I'm very, very busy. Um, playing a lot more piano, which is super fun and really loving that. And 
just uh, working on a writing sample for my own college applications, which is... Um, Coming around the bend. Ooh, scary business. Uh, nice. Yeah, you know, it's funny because if, as as Nick knows, applying to different grad school programs, every university has their own, like, requirements, so to speak, for the writing sample. And some of them are like, minimum of three pages. And then there's another one that's like, 15 to 20. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God. Um, and I'm not going to write, like, five different writing samples. I'm going to write one writing sample and submit it to to all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because it's easier. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Why am I going to, like, if I can write 15 to 20 pages, I'm going to do that. And, um, you know, some of them are like, oh, you could you could submit a paper that you wrote in undergrad. And I'm over here going, undergrad was 10 years ago. I don't. I burned all that stuff. I don't even they have. gave me my degree. I don't have that stuff anymore. I wish I had kept it now. But back then I was like, what's the point? I already, I and then I just got rid of them. What was that? I got rid of them. No, but what was, what was that voice? <laughs> That's that's the voice that I make <laughs> when I'm speaking of past me, making um, past choice sounds less hel- less like than helpful sauce, less than <laughs> helpful choices. Um, but it's it's been good. I've been like finding new linguists that I didn't know about before and reading them and revisiting linguists that I you know know and love and rereading them and. Um, and finding out about, you know, different philosophers, too, as um, as I'm studying and researching for this writing sample. So I'm excited. Anybody out there, if you are a linguist and you think language death is fascinating and sad, hit me up. Because <laughs> that's what I think about it, too. Um I'm laughing because I realized that we have similar and yet different interests with our research. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> For me, it's all about language death. For me, it's just about death. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but how we talk about it. I, yeah. yeah. So, um, I, yeah. We'll, we'll c- continue. I'll, I'll get to me in oh, a minute. But continue okay. talking about your language death. Yeah. So, um I, you know, you as you're reading and, and things like that, you find different linguists and anthropologists who write about it differently and who take a different approach to language death. And um, depending on your ethics and morality, you may choose one perspective over another. Um. And so I've definitely tossed out some of the work that I would... I didn't, like, literally throw it away. But um, I'm not going to be including it because I don't think it's ethical. Um, And so it's been really interesting to read through some of the linguistic work and the anthropological work that I read in undergrad and have, I guess... I don't know if it's age or more education or changed worldview or yeah, like the podcast I've evolved 
and uh, and now kind of looking at some of those things and and seeing them in a different light and being more critical than perhaps I used to be. I'm sure some of that is the fact that I was, you know, 19 when I started undergrad, and now I'm not 19. Much older. Um, so I'm really excited, though, about some of the newer linguists that I didn't read before and I didn't know about before. So um, it's been really cool to get back into that and read some papers and articles and books and do some different research there. So I've got some things written. And then, um, and I need to keep writing more. <laughs> so I am not done. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a scary business. It's scary. Totally, totally. I mean, I've having recently been doing my own, you know, in the last couple of years, grad school, like letters and acceptance stuff and philosophy statements and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a big undertaking, and yeah. It can be overwhelming, but also it's it's really, I don't know, it's really, like, really reassuring, maybe, I guess is the word. Mm-hmm. Like, when you get to that point of being like, yeah, I feel good about this, and then, like, you get those acceptance letters back, or you get feedback on your stuff, like, okay, this is good. Yeah. This is good, yeah. Yeah, and I'm very lucky to have a lot of really wonderful writers around me, Nick, and uh, some of the professors that I work with, too, who understand what it's like to have to go through that, you know, and I and, and who have told me, yeah, we'll give you feedback. Yes, we'll help you with, like, you know, sort of the scaffolding of your paper, and, yeah, yeah. and we'll, we'll help you. Um, will recommend things for you to read and study. I mean, that's incredible. Um, so I'm I'm very excited about that and uh, hopeful. So hopeful. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Uh, I hope so. I mean, I'm your biggest fan, but I yeah, think I know you are. I think it's going to be. I great. know you are. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I I was laughing about like language death and then how my Research interest is just death. Just um, death. And that's only partially true. So my research interest, I, I guess if any of you out there have ever read my poetry or have read any of my short stories, some of those things have been published, you know, in different magazines or whatever. Um, like my writing style, even my writing style has evolved, but like it kind of is more um, folky. <laughs> folk, like folklore, folk-esque um, kind of feel to it, I've realized. And that's kind of like this area of interest that I'm continuing to be fascinated by in the way that, like, we draw upon these stories to, you know, process um, our traumas and to process, like, pain in our lives. And so my interest as I like, have begun researching ideas for my dissertation and, like, talking with people and putting together book lists and all that, um, are focusing on uh, horror and monsters and 
kind of like these beasts that we create as storytellers um, all the way, you know, in the far past, like with mythology to present day in modern movies, um, and just like how those creatures in some ways are manifestations of our traumas and our pain and um, how, like, as children... It is terrifying, and we have no control over it. How, as adults, we try to find control, you know, by slaying that monster in many ways, Mm -hmm. and how that kind of plays into uh, the way that we approach writing, storytelling, and then again, you know, processing uh, trauma. So that's kind of like the basics of, of like, those research ideas. And so I've got, like, a, a reading list of... Uh, philosophy and theories around like movie monsters and literary analysis on like gothic horror, you know, like Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker, um, uh, Shirley Jackson, Toni Morrison. Like there are so many like from the past and modern day even that like I'm going to be looking at uh, films from like Jordan Peele um, and... Stanley Kubrick, uh, you know, so just all sorts of different things, just like in the, the way that it play, plays with and kind of interprets these psychological horrors, uh, whether manifesting as like real creatures in stories or the way that the mind tries to justify and reinterpret the world around itself as it deals with these traumas, so which I find really fascinating. I think will make for a great study. And also, um, my thoughts on how that'll work out are still in development, but, like, I think that what I'm going to bring to that with my writing and the dissertation aspect, I think, will be quite interesting, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it comes together. Like, especially when you mentioned, like, traumas and things like that, like, one of the things about PTSD is that it can make us feel unsafe, even and like like there's an imminent threat, even when there's not. And I wonder sometimes if that is part of like we talked about this the other day, right? Yeah. Where like traumatized people or people who are used to living in crisis or in fear don't really know what to do. And I, th- I don't think this is, like, true across the board for every single person who's undergone trauma. But many of us don't know what to do with ourselves when right. things are calm. Right. And so we lean into crisis because that's what we let's, that's where we know how to operate. That's where we know how to live. And so, ironically, we're more comfortable in crisis. We're more comfortable in danger because we don't know what's happening when that adrenaline is not pumping. Yeah. I think the same is true, like, for those who lean into these genres of horror and psychological terror, Mm -hmm. and that there's this rush, like, for the cortisol, um, but also, like, that, you know, and this isn't this, you know, this isn't a blanket statement or anything, just in my experience, it's like the, I am... These types of things in my life I'm not in control of, but I'm in control of the two hours I watch this movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm in control of the 20 pages I'm going to read in this book tonight. 
and I'm in control of, you know, whatever else and how we approach it. And so mm -hmm. there is some sense of control where in a similar situation happening in our real life, we have no control. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really pivotal to understanding and to this research I'm going to be doing and how it like affects how it affects people, but also how it influences like authors, right? Like as an author and as a writer, you know, there is something I'm trying to process or create and control within the creatures and manifestations or ideas that I might have. Mm -hmm. And why is that? What does it look like? And how does it, that influence by what's come before? How is that going to influence what might come after? And, you know, what is the purpose in all that? Yeah. Well, and I think that, like, you said something about control. Like, I'm in control of the two hours that I choose to watch this movie or the 20 pages that I'm going to read tonight or whatever. Like, you can see the end. Like, you can literally see the end. You can right, right. look at that time frame on your TV screen. You can look at how big is this 20 pages. Oh, yeah, I know roughly how long it takes me to read that much. And you can make it stop at any point you want. Yeah. You can be like, oh, I'm done. Click. Close the book. We can't do that in real life. So it does give you a lot more control. Right. Maybe it gives you the adrenaline rush that you're looking for or, um, you know, or maybe you're not looking for an adrenaline rush, but it just f is something that you're interested in. And, but at the same time, you're completely in control. You can be like, no, nah, I'm done. That's kind of one of the things that I had never really thought about it before, but as we're talking this out, I wonder if that's why I can watch scarier stuff at home and and be more okay with it than if we were to go see it in theaters. I never want to see anything <laughs> even remotely scary in theaters. Yeah. But we've watched some stuff that, like, at home that, I mean... I'm okay with it, you know, and I think it's fascinating and really interesting. I wouldn't necessarily say it's horror. Sure. But, sure. like, um, like Stranger Things, I would, you, you could not pay me to watch that in a theater. Yeah, well, and even, I think the first season, you barely, you didn't even finish. Like, when we, I had to like when we first watched around. it, yeah. when it first came out, you know, how whatever year that was, yeah. 2016 maybe, when it first came out, like, you you couldn't even get through the first season. Mm -mm. No, I had to watch it later, and like, had to come back around and watch it later. Yeah, and then now, by the time season four came out, it was like, next episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Okay, but I still have to watch something else afterwards. Yeah, when like, it's like Bake Off or something, <laughs> like something, ding, 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 yeah. very happy. Yeah, I, like, growing up, and, and I think we talked about this, like, in an episode a long time ago with Caleb King, uh, when we were talking about Halloween stuff, mm. but, like, growing up, I was, I was not the horror person, like, I had seen a few scary movies and stuff, um, you know, I remember seeing Jaws, which is scary, be, like, not because it's like a monster it's scary because it's based on a real possibility because it's a shark <laughs> yeah you know and um but being a kid like i was like i don't even want to take a bath that was terrifying <laughs> like, like the way that it gets you and gets in yeah. your head yeah um you know and i remember being maybe in high school and seeing 
I think like the ring or the grudge in like theaters with friends and stuff. Mm. Um, and just being like, whatever. Like, I th- I think it was because I was with friends or with people that it was, like, easy to not be like, oh, this isn't real. But then I reached this point where I'm like, I have no desire. I have no desire whatsoever to watch any of those things ever mm-hmm. again. Like, no horror movies, no creepy things, um, you know, to like, no no creepy things that are, like, just, just creepy for the sake of creepy. Yeah. And um, I'm still, in many ways, kind of adamant about that. But I've also, like over the last couple of years as I as my writing again has developed and some of my reading interests have developed, I'm realizing that I can kind of separate those worlds mm-hmm. and so it doesn't like stick with me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's because of how like I'm like I'll read a book and I'm like, oh, this is an interesting way that the writer chose to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about it not just as a reader where I'm like, oh, this is got kind of scary or creepy or weird but also like as a writer being like oh that's interesting like choice and oh I wonder if that's going to come back because of how they did that Mm -hmm. and I think just like based on the the way that I can analyze and think about texts or films or whatever now as I've grown in my own studies of stuff it's like a it's like an exercise in like pop, pop culture film culture um, genre fiction, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it makes it f- to me more interesting. Cause now I'm not reading it with like this. I'm like shivering under a blanket, like eyes wide in terror. Like I'm not going to sleep, but I'm like, oh, I can read this and just like enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. And then put it away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe I wouldn't go see every horror movie in theater. But yeah. there might be one or two now where I'm like, like, in fact, more recently, uh, Jordan Peele's Nope, you know, has come out in theaters. And I was kind of like, man, I kind of want to go see that. And um, two, three years ago, there's no way. I mean, like when Get Out came out in theaters, I was mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want to go see Like, it looks great. I don't want to go see that in theaters. And then, like, I watched it when I was at home where I could, like, if I wanted to shut it off when I needed to. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a brilliant film. Yeah. Um, but like now I'm like, oh yeah, I would totally go see Nope in theaters. I just haven't, but it's yeah. it's different like now for me, I think. Yeah. Well, and I th- I do think that you always had a little bit you had a bit of a higher tolerance for for the scary than I ever did. Yeah. But um I don't know. I th- I yeah, I do think that that's really interesting how like we can become more okay with certain things um, over time because we're more interested in it from another perspective, like you said, from the perspective of a writer. Um, Or like sometimes for me, I'm interested in it from the perspective of, you know, linguistics or from the perspective of like trauma responses. That's part of why I loved the last season of Stranger Things so much like because it it dealt with trauma yeah i mean honestly the whole show really yes i mean every season it's traumatic but the last season especially talks about like dealing with your trauma yeah and that's the the thing that sort of saves the day and i think that that for me was the that was what kept me coming back you know 
was it was a great story and it was fascinating and it was good but also the hey you got to deal with your trauma sort of thing that for me was like oh this is amazing and i love the way they're treating it yeah um so yeah uh agreed i think i think for me this is going to be literally terrifying and exciting yeah, like, you're gonna going to be scared. Into, all as the I go time. into this study of different things, and I just find I just find the whole thing fascinating. And I'm hoping, I really am hoping that it becomes like a an opportunity to learn more about the genre, but also to explore how how we approach these ideas of monsters and horror creatures and anything else in between. Which mm-hmm. is why my list kind of goes all the way back to like gothic literature and like you know where a lot of these monsters were first introduced you know vampires frankenstein mm-hmm. werewolves things like that within like this folklore classic literature kind of setting to these modern like ideas of you know a psychological terror in the shining or you know pennywise and it or uh even with neil gaiman some of the way that like in american gods like these uh monsters and villainous trickster gods from different genres come back into play um to all the way through to like more modern stories as well mm-hmm. and i uh, even from graphic novels like um you know killer be killed by ed brubaker uh which you know this this guy ends up having to sell his soul to some sort of demon to uh, keep from dying and in order to stay alive he ha- goes and he becomes like an assassin and kills bad guys interesting and just like that whole process just is fascinating to me like mm. in the way that these stories develop and to think about how these monsters and creatures then are created because of these things mm-hmm. so yeah i'm excited about it yeah i'm excited to see like how it goes and um you know i think that we have a pretty good agreement on how that stuff's gonna go like you you will probably be talking about more of those kinds of things with me as you'll be studying them but i can always say i'm tapping out yeah (laughs) like if you need to watch a movie or like you know like maybe you read a book and you're like well now i want to watch the film um yeah and see how like, it's no. treated. I, I, I'll probably be like, I want to hang out downstairs. Actually, so I did that over the summer. Yeah. Um, Man, I think I was 17, maybe 15 when I first read It by Stephen King. Oh, my God. Um, And I remember seeing, like, the 90s, like, miniseries with Tim Curry uh, around that time, too, like... Just later on, and um, that did he play Pennywise? Yeah, really? Yeah, that's interesting. And so, like, these new the you know, it chapter one and it chapter two came out in the last five years or whatever, and they looked really mostly so. Mostly, I wanted to watch it because one of my favorite actors was in the second one, Bill Hader. I love Bill Hader, like, oh, yeah, um, great, you know, SNL comedian but in recent years like his ability to like for drama and all this stuff has been really cool on the show Barry on HBO um but Bill Hader is in it and that's literally the only reason why I wanted to watch 
chapter two. I was like, if I watch chapter two, I've got to watch chapter one. Yeah. But it's been so long since I've read the book, I'm going to reread the book. So over the summer, I reread the book. And, like, it, I appreciated it because of, like, these things that I notice now in a different way. Yeah. And going into the movie, I was like, this is no big deal. And it wasn't. And just in my opinion, it was not nearly as scary as, like, the trailers made it out to be, like, at all. Hmm. Um, in fact, I think most of the scary parts, scariest parts were shown in the trailers. And so it was kind of like, oh, I've already seen all that then. I didn't even watch the trailers. I can't I know, even do that. I know. I'm a, I'm a, but that's the thing. So like you were downstairs hanging out with the kids and I'm like, I'm yeah. going to watch one of these movies upstairs. Yeah. And I was like, kids don't go upstairs <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you know, like they're, they're a lot like me in that if they see something, like even if it's just like a 0.5 second clip of something, they're right. like going to have nightmares well, and I for wouldn't, a week. I wouldn't want them to watch it. No, not, I, I know. I know. I just, I just mean that some kids like are like, Ooh, that was scary. And then they're okay. It's not our kids because I'm their parent. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they get it from me. That's right. Um, But it is like, it is interesting, right? That in the sort of fantastical fictional world, I don't deal with that nearly as, um, I don't know if well is the right word, but I, I don't deal with it as well in film or books or you know anything fictional as i do um like real life stuff which is odd yeah I th maybe because you've lit like you said like it's the crisis mode yeah and because you know this is real you can think about okay here's how i would handle that where mm. these other mm -hmm. things that are clearly not real yeah it's like i can't like, have I any influence know. over any of this know. and i don't know what's gonna happen and <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true how would I stop a Vecna? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't have superpowers. I don't know. Um, but, like, you know, it's interesting because every every culture has their own sort of, like, scary, like, what they see as scary and what they yeah. view as, like, horrifying and terrifying. And I'm sure there's a great deal of overlap in in some regard but there has to be you know i think of of different folklore like you mentioned before like yeah. folk tales like you know you've got krampus and you've got um, who's super creepy but is you know a character that's part of christmas time and is you know told to children Admittedly, to scare them, but like, Krampus is a creepy looking dude. Like, I'm an adult and I don't want to, you know. I mean, I do think it's a cool story. Anyways, um, but you know, other cultures and other people groups and other language groups have their own sort of definition of of what's scary and their own scary stories, and. Um, I don't know. I just think that that's, it's interesting that, that the things that I think are scary are, are fictional, but I, they're like the, this sort of like weird American folklore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't look at Krampus 
and and like you know and hear the story of Krampus and I'm like oh my god I'm kind of like oh that's kind of messed up but that's about it that's that's where I go so you're saying like because some of these stories are more ingrained in American culture they're more creepy to you yeah I think so something that you can see from a distance yeah I think so interesting I may have to look into that with my research yeah well, I, I, again, I think it's super fascinating and like, it is interesting to like thinking about language death and then also like the way that, uh, monsters and horror, like, and because of that death occurs within storytelling. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> we're That's on gonna this be. interesting trajectory. Yeah. Right well, and the things that cause language death by and large are real life horrors. Yes. So... Um, yeah, I think we're both going to be kind of diving into that pretty intensely. Um, yeah. On that note, we're going to switch it up just a little bit and bring back a segment called What We Gonna Do Today. What we're going to do today is the part of the show where we talk about the projects that we are currently working on, try to keep each other held accountable, as well as uh, we'd love to hear from you to see if there's anything creative you've got uh, that you're working on as well. And so, as always, we like to mention at this time, too, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stokethewild and uh, have the opportunity for some uh, cool stuff happening there. That has also been on hold for the last little while, but we're going to be picking that back up as well. And just want to give a shout-out to our newest Patreon, Angela, for hanging out with us and being a part of the patrons over there at Stoke the Wild. Thanks, Angela. So thank you. And, um, yeah, so what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today, Joy? What are you working on? What projects do you have going on? I know you mentioned at the top of the show, getting ready for some grad school stuff. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else that you have going on? Well, I am going to be taking piano lessons again, which is pretty exciting. Um, I'm really excited about that. You know, I teach piano, but uh, there are also things that I'm like I want to get better at that and I need I need instruction I need help from someone else to get better at that so I'm really excited about that and as Jack Black once said those who can't do teach those who can't (gasps) teach teach Jim (laughs) (laughs) oh I can do and teach thank you very much um (laughs) that's from school rock I know my favorites um but I yeah I'm really excited about that uh and I think it's going to be really fun. And I'm working on some projects with um, the department that I that I work in um, at the university. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. I can't really talk about the projects because they're not finished. And we have to put them through the proper channels first. Um, but it's exciting. I'm, I'm really thrilled. And I think it's all very positive stuff. And then... I would say the last thing that I'm working on um, is learning about linguicism and kind of undoing my own linguicism. And that does tie a little bit into the grad school stuff because it contributes to language death. Um, 
But for those of you who, you know, might not know what I mean when I say linguicism, it's essentially it's linguistic discrimination. It's interesting. Yeah. It's it's like a form of like. It's like just about any ism that you can think of, like racism, ageism, sexism, ableism, um, you know, autism, all of the all of the isms that you can really think of kind of pulled together into one in but in a linguistic manner. So policing people's grammar, for example, is a form of linguicism. Um, having a problem with language evolution because it's improper, because that's not the way that we talk, you know. Um, for example, uh, dangling prepositions are a thing that we have been taught is, is bad. We don't do that. That's that's improper use of, you know, English grammar, right? But it's changing over time. Yeah. And there yeah. are some people who are really resistant to that change. Or like um, African-American English, there are a lot of people who are really resistant to that. And they always want to correct people who who speak that dialect of English and what you do is essentially you you stop language evolution in its tracks I mean African American English isn't something that just like has never changed or grown or evolved it's constantly changing it's one of the most innovative dialects if not the most innovative dialect of English and so um, linguicism contributes really, really intensely to language death. It's also sort of one of those things that like promotes what we would consider um, like major world languages over other major languages. So some people, you know, are like, well, everybody speaks English or everybody should speak English or Spanish, French, and English. Those are the big three. Um, and they are, but they are because of colonialism and, and colonization and because of violence. Sorry, can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. So I was thinking when you were talking about um, AAEV um, or AAVE <coughs> that uh, about an article that I read um, in one of my teaching classes uh, mm-hmm. from by Vershan Ashanti Young called Should Writers Use They Own Language, which is all about... Um, the ability to represent yourself as an individual and is written in AAVE as well, but it's an academic article. And, um, like, it was really fascinating. And then also mm-hmm. a uh, another, another article that he did called Now We Straight, An Argument Against Code Switching, Rashaun Ashanti mm-hmm. Young, um, which is... Yeah, it was just both of these articles were just really fascinating. So I want to send them to you since you're talking about uh, that. Yeah, no, I would love that. That's that's actually there's a there's a professor at Harvard that I have been um, I've been looking into his his work because I really really want to read some of the things that he has has written and 
and like if I could find a lecture of his somewhere, I'd be really fascinated. His name is Sun Michaud, um, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly or not, but he is, um, he teaches the Gullah language at Harvard, and um, I could be wrong, but I think Gullah is um, a Jamaican language. And um, so he talks about African-American English and how people police that as well. And he he teaches quite a bit about how that is linguism and how it comes up. He's got some really cool TikToks on that, actually. Um, so I'm working on learning more about what linguism is and trying to divest from that in myself and deconstruct from that in myself because I think that one of the hallmarks of people who are interested in language is that we want to make sure we're doing it right. Yeah. We want to make sure we're learning the thing the right yeah. way. Totally. And that's great, but it and if you're a native speaker though, your way is the right way. Right. Absolutely. And you don't get what you don't get to do. Well, even if you're not a na- native speaker, what you don't get to do is is come along and tell someone else, hey, you're speaking it wrong. You can't do that. Right. Because you're saying that your way of doing it is the only right way of doing it. But that's not how language works. Language grows and breathes and changes and, and dies. And so if you say... You can't do it that way. You stop evolution in its tracks and language begins to die. Um, so I'm, that's one of the things that I'm really interested in learning more about as I'm researching and, and writing. Um, cool. So that's what I'm doing. That was very long-winded. <laughs> Apologies. Okay. Okay. Um, what are you working on? What are you doing today? Uh, well, um, along with curating kind of like my reading list for the the dissertation aspect of my PhD program, I am um, th- these things still inspire me to make things. So I've been also slowly writing some new poetry and some short story ideas. Um, at least outlining them, uh, the poetry, you know, jotting down, but like short story stuff kind of outlining because I'm like, oh, this is interesting and it makes me think of this thing and I want to kind of create that. And uh, with some of that, today I submitted a few things to some different literary mags for publication as well, Um, some poems and things um, that I've also had uh, that have not been published yet to see if I can get them published. So maybe we'll hear back about that being a good thing and that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. Um, so creatively, that's kind of what I'm doing. Like I'm letting the research and work that I'm doing kind of inspire this, the, the creative end of things. Uh, I'm also in a linguistics class for my program, yep. uh, which is interesting and fun. And uh, I've got some reading I have to finish for that and some exercise work I need to do for that, uh, as well as a research class. Um, doing etymology studies and word studies and things like that for the research class. So I'm busy. I'm busy. But it's good. It's good. Yeah. 
I was very excited to hear you mention your linguistics class, mainly because I fully intend to drop in as I was given invited. permission. I was invited. I was I was given permission slash invited to drop in anytime I want and sit in on the class, which I'm very excited about. Uh, so, Dr. Eigen, if you're listening, which you're probably not, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's what I've got going on. Yeah, um, and you know, with the show, once again, like it, it's changing. We're gonna be we're gonna be making some episodes, and it might not be like on a schedule you initially thought it'd be. It might look a little different than it has in the past. We're gonna try and maintain some consistency with this, yeah. uh, but we're gonna also be shifting to like this seasonal kind of approach where, you know, we'll put out maybe, like I said, fifteen to twenty episodes or something. Call that a season take a break to make sure we're focusing on our studies and work that we have going on and then prep for another season. So just, you know, be prepared for that. And like I said, support us any way you can um, share the show, talk about the show on social media, um, you know, go back and listen to other episodes, tell your friends about the episodes, um, like, and subscribe, leave reviews, whatever you can to, to help us out there. And then you can also, like I said, support us with patreon.com at stoke the wild or check out our website, stoke the wild.com where you can find out more about the work that we're doing as well as, um, check out some cool art prints, uh, original paintings and merch like that, including my poetry book, paper fledglings. Um, Oh, I guess I am with some of my poetry stuff, I almost have enough to make another collection. So I'm, Yay. I am looking to that, but I've, I've got to finish some other things first. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, Joy, where can people find you if they want to give you a follow and like, you know, make you famous? Um, well, I'm kind of keeping a low profile on my social media these days. So you can follow Joy at Stoke the Wild on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, that's where you can find me. At Stoke the Wild. Um, and you should follow that anyway. Because, because it's the it's podcast. The show. Uh, and we, mo- we both look at that, but, you know, Joy will see it. I will. And then, uh, but you can find me at Nick Dertinger Art on Instagram. It's where I post uh, mostly my art stuff. And uh, occasionally other life things. Um, or Twitter, at Nick Derringer, where some of my teaching and writing uh, stuff goes out. Um, I'd love to see both of those accounts grow. So if you want to give it a follow, that'd be awesome. Uh, otherwise, stay tuned for more when it comes to Stoke the Wild. And we'll be seeing you soon. You guys are fantastic. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And are able to enjoy your time being creative out in the world. We will catch you next time. Bye.